listening to The Chartographers. It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it from worstest to firstest. It's a thing that we do. Uh, why? <laughs> and guys, let me tell you something. Uh, the fall, When we recorded this, fall was in the air, and I was just thinking about putting on my letterman's jacket and going down to the local dormitory and cafetorium, because, you know, it's college time. And the thing is that we've actually, in the season, we've talked about a beloved college rock band in the form of Guster, and we thought, hey, let's keep the tradition going. Let's talk about a group that, for a lot of 30-somethings, as they're listening to this, uh, have formed a lot of backbone of a lot of their musical taste, a lot of influence, a lot of critical success, and a lot of weird, stupid pop shit happen. Uh, that's right, guys, we're gonna talk about them. The one, the only, the group whose greatest contribution to popular culture was that time they condensed the word garage into a single syllable. That's right, guys, we're talking about Weezer! Uh, go punishment if you're nasty. Or if you're really nasty, the rentals. Uh, so Weezer, they basically formed in Los Angeles, uh, Brian Bell, Pat Wilson, and of course, Rivers Cuomo, who's kind of the de facto leader, dictator of the band. He's the chief songwriter and kind of has to say in terms of everything that goes. Uh, he was a nerdy kid who grew up on D&D and good books and opera, and also loved metal. Loved a lot of metal. Think Kiss Metal. Think Young Wee Malstein. Think about all these other great guitars that have come throughout the days. He decided to kind of turn that into its own distinct thing, and ultimately he found a lot of success. When they had the Blue album that came out in 1994, triple platinum, big success, radio stables all across the board, and for some people they're still kind of judged on that. Are they recreating that sound? Are they deviating from that sound? They've turned into a lot of different bands over the course of this time. They've been a pop group, they've been a rock group, they've been a confessional songwriting type affair. It's all sorts of fun stuff, and we are going to rank their discography today. Who's doing the ranking? Let me tell you. First off, there's me. I'm Evan Saudi. You might know me as the interviews editor over at Pop Matters. I also write for MSN, a whole bunch of other places, but I hope that you recognize me on t-shirts as the guy who hosts this podcast, because I love this podcast oh so dearly, and if you know anything about this podcast, then you know the person sitting next to me. That's right, the Pat Wilson to my Rivers Cuomo, the one and only co-creator, Taryn O'Reilly! But <laughs> How you doing, Derek? I'm great. Uh, this was a really interesting journey. <laughs> um, Coded words. Yeah, my favorite part was when Evan just kept putting on featuring Rivers Cuomo songs <laughs> and just seeing whatever that was. Yeah. And oh my god, he's made some shit. Yes. But Miranda Cosgrove doesn't list the all-time great, you know, <laughs> pop artist. Yeah, when list. you put on Miranda Cosgrove, I was like, what what's happening? And then he started singing and I just left the room. You um, got the magic in you. No. no, I don't. No, I don't. Shut up, Rivers. All right, but here's the um, thing. <laughs> I am excited because this has been kind of a big journey for you. I'm most excited of all for an incredible guest that we have in studio today. Woo! He's an ensemble member over at Lifeline Theater Company. He's also an author and writer of uh, audio dramas the world over, many of which we'll get to see very soon. He is here. He is in the house. He is rocking a sweater. I swear to God. That's right, guys. Bilal Dardai is in studio. Bilal! Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> I did this big warm-up. You're like, yes, yeah, thank you. Very, well, very good. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's like, it's like well, you started this off like, talking about, talking about like, uh, the backbone of several 30 songs. I'm like, I'm 40. I'm 40. They know I'm 40. They don't know I'm 40. Okay, it's okay. It's just... <laughs> How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Bilal, I'm just curious because uh, when we asked you about this, uh, we actually 
I'm so curious. I reached out to you, and you said you had a decent understanding of Weezer by itself, but you weren't like full bore into their right. discography. Right. Right. So what made you decide to take up the mantle of this challenge? Uh, I think in part because of of my... I, I, so up until this point, up until this past couple of weeks, uh, my kind of understanding of Weezer was through the Red Album and then a handful of singles. After really? That. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So through I, the Red Album? Yeah, through Red Album. So 2008. So yeah, 2008 oh. was the last time that I'd really like listened to an entire Weezer album. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You had heard songs oh, prior like, to oh, that. Oh, up, yes. Okay. Up through the Red <laughs> through. Album. Yes. You have albums before the Red Album? I, yeah. For a second, I thought you were saying you were introduced <laughs> to them by the Red no, Album. No, no, no. And I was very confused. <laughs> but, okay, cool. No, no, cool. yeah. So, Blue Through Red But honestly, was, isn't yeah. that everyone's story? I mean, <laughs> I think I, we would have been hard-pressed to find a guest for this podcast who had continued listening to all of the Like a big albums. Pacific Daydream stand that's out yeah, there in the mm-hmm. world? Right. I mean, literally, are there any of those? <laughs> Is there, I don't, I, like, I'd be, I don't think there's even one. Yeah. But we'll get there. We'll get there, right. we'll get there. Right, so in that case, we have albums to rank, and we actually have 11 today. We have, of course, their big pop debut in the form of The Blue Album in 1994. Their much more confessional, grittier album, Pinkerton, from 1996. Their return to form that was The Green Album in 2001. The much heavier rocking Maladroit? Maladroit? How do you want to Mal- say it? Maladroit, I believe. Maladroit? Okay. Yeah. I'm always saying Maladroit because I'm fancy. Because you're fancy. <laughs> also dumb. And uh, from 2002. All, uh, there was their very very big uh, pop overture that was Make Believe in 2005. There was the uh, kind of pop rock hybrid that was the Red Album in 2008. Uh, there was the album called Ratitude in 2009. Uh, there was their, hey, let's get some pop songwriters in because that's what we need, Hurley in 2010. Uh, there was their, you know what, guys, you're right. We have been sucking a little bit. Everything will be all right in the end in 2014. <laughs> there was the, hey, everything we said about not sucking a bit, guess what, the White Album in 2016. <laughs> and there was the Maroon 5 album that is Pacific Daydream in 2017. God damn. There were even rumors that they were going to put out an album this year, 2018, when we recorded this, called, it was going to be another self-titled album. Yeah. It was going to be The Black album black i'd heard about that yeah i'm just glad that happened and now when you say red green blue uh those are all self-titled albums technically they are self-titled yeah uh, they're just the album the color of the album that's how people well, refer to it's it. it's a background with, yes. with the band hurley yeah. was also going to be self-titled with just right. a picture of hurley on the cover, and then they realized that everything one was just gonna call it hurley so they <laughs> right. might as well call, call it, it hurley. Yeah. so it, it didn't even matter which album was the white album Awesome, Weezer. Thank you. Uh, but the thing is that, like, that's a pretty good list. There's a couple uh, weird things here. There's a couple EPs they have on here. Uh, a lot of the songs that are carried over there. Like, I'm not going to count their Record Store Day EP where they do I'm Your Daddy with uh, Kenny G. G. Right. Uh, yeah. That was a thing that Kenny happened. G. Or what was the song with Sarah Bareilles? Uh, if you're wondering if I want you to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. We did, we're not doing that one. There's also... Things that needed to happen. <laughs> are, we, are we ranking their Toto covers? Are we doing that <laughs> Oh, my God. No. Both I mean, it's 2018, right? I mean, we'll talk about that in the happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> you best believe we'll be talking about that in the happy hour. Because uh, I have thoughts. <laughs> and then, of course, there is uh, their album that they did in 2010. Uh, it was Death to False Metal. It was a B-Sides Rarities compilation. Traditionally, we're not going to do those. And we're going to continue that tradition of not doing that. Also, they have a Christmas EP. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so, anyway, I think it's a pretty good thing. 11 albums. We have a lot of stuff to do. And in case you're unfamiliar, what we do, we talk about it. We're going to get a definitive ranking, a worst to best. And ultimately, in that thing, we're going to still debate. We're going to toss out nominations. We're going to take opinions. We're going to outvote. It's a friendly, wonderful conversation, possibly fueled by alcohol. But it's great. Uh, also, we've been listening to a lot of 
Weezer, so I'm ready to get through this. Most importantly, <laughs> though, Bilal, yes. dear friend, yes. so glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, since you are the guest, you get an unenviable task, and I'm so excited about it. In terms of our worst-to-best ranking, number 11, not saying anything, what would you nominate as the worst Weezer album? I am going to go with Hurley. Oh! For number 11. Okay, walk us through a little bit of your thoughts on this album. Well, uh, that's that's part of the problem. I don't have any. Uh-huh. I heard Hurley for the first time in the past week, uh-huh. and, I rem- and I'm looking at the track listing right now, and, like, nothing, nothing is, is floating. I remember surface. how bad some of these songs are. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. Where's My Sex, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I don't, it was, I guess it's a joke of a song, but it's just R- Rivers r- rudely well, shouting about wanting his sex yeah, and well, throughout. Yes, that was bad. That was, yes. That was, yes. Okay, now that you mentioned that, yes, that was, okay, there it is. Uh, uh, but I think also, like, I mean, I'm looking at these titles, parts of these titles are just, they're, they're bland. Memories? Well, yeah. I mean, like, all of these look like... Memories. You could... You could... You could... I am I am dead certain you could put this track listing on the back of a Sarah McLaughlin album, and and maybe with the exception of Where's My Sex. I can't imagine a piano bell. Where's my sex? No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. But, oh, my God, that's the most real thing. That's so real. These are Sarah McLachlan song titles because exactly. she always goes with just like a single word mm-hmm. that's or like from somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, and and yeah. and I'll, I'll say this as somebody who who for for a very long time loved Sarah McLachlan and still has great fond memories of loving Sarah McLachlan. Mm-hmm. But these are Sarah McLachlan song titles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and none of these songs are as good as Sweet Surrender. I'm telling you that right, right now. Well, okay. Or like a dozen other <laughs> yeah. Sarah McLachlan songs. You're right. Yeah. But. Okay, so, well, I wouldn't necessarily put Hurley <laughs> down at number 11. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely one of the weakest albums they've put out. I think it has a couple points that make it worth talking about. Like, if you're a diehard Weezer fan, I think Time Flies is a really fun closer. It's Time just like a goofy little, good. Okay. like, almost like a... I say this. I have said this so many times on our podcast. It's it's like a little Paul McCartney number. Mm. It is. Though. Yeah. Okay. It's totally just like it's just him and an acoustic guitar. It's a little. Um, it almost sounds like it was recorded on like a handheld or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a it's little staticky, low low like quality an iPhone yeah. audio. Yeah. Note. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. an off. <laughs> an iPhone audio note. <laughs> um, you know, I've also said this multiple times on the podcast. I'm going to judge you if you have a song called Hang On and it's not incredible. <laughs> like, just don't worry. It's just I make don't believe they have a song called Hold Me, so that's like almost up there. It's, it's close. Yeah. Um, I also, I enjoy Unspoken. Mm. Um, that's the one that it starts, again, it starts like acoustic and then it, it goes into their more like heavy for mm. the last like the mm-hmm. final act. Yeah. But I, I think that that's some of the better lyrics that we get out of Rivers in these last four albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's about the end of the things yeah. that are really worth talking about. Oh, Smart Girls. Yeah. Smart Girls is like a stupid, fun song. It's co-written by Tony Canal of No Doubt, and it shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's all over this album. The reason it doesn't sound like Weezer is because he brought in pop, pop. 
songwriters yeah. to like co-write Child. everything. Yeah. Actually, I, I'll be honest, run away the co-write he does with Ryan Adams. Once I kind of hear it's Ryan Adams, I kind of dig it a little bit. Okay. But like for the most part, like I think there was just a good amount. A lot of people may not understand, especially if you listen to this podcast, Raw. Reason were a rock band, a garage rock band that had a love of Kiss and hair metal and decided to kind of wrap that around pop songs. They were nerdy kids and it seemed like a great move to do. For a lot of people, that is the sound of the band. And almost every album they do is somewhat judged against that to a degree. Right. Yeah. So the thing is that like around the time of Make Believe, they really, really started to move more and more into pure pop song territory. Yeah, there's rock guitars, but they don't really do ballads. Uh, they pretty much straight up rock songs all the way through. And so, especially with Ratitude and especially with Hurley, they just went full bore pop. So like, and that's like the thing where like, in terms of trying to be as broad as possible, they also kind of lost a lot of that thing. I think about that Chuck Klosterman thing talking about the universality and specificity. When you're very specific about something, people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I got engaged in front of the Tasty Freeze, that Trisha Yearwood song goes. Right. For a lot of people, they know exactly what that is. They know yeah. what that person that plays everything and the Tasty Freeze, a lot of Tasty Freeze around yeah. the world. Here when it's just like, love is the answer kind of stuff, I'm like, no, stop. So Interesting. I Well, I think just one final thing to mm -hmm. say about this album is that some of the songs aren't bad. Like, Trainwrecks has a decent chorus. Um, I think that, like, Ruling Me sounds like something you'd hear on XRT. Mm -hmm. But, like, um, and this is something that they're guilty of on not all of these last couple albums, but certainly Hurley and, like, Pacific Daydream, is that it doesn't matter that it's Weezer. Mm. Any, <laughs> any band with... Lead singer, guitar, bass, drums could have made this album, right. yes. and that's that's the issue. Or Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she could make those titans. Yeah. As well. So, like, here's the thing: yeah. if you're gonna nominate Hurley at number eleven, I'm mm -hmm. not gonna fight hard against it. I just want to throw out my personal pick sure. for it because I don't really care these last couple slots. Mm -hmm. uh, the White Album for me is. Bland, my friend. It is. Uh, it's one of the things where I hate Rivers for a very specific thing, which is like you should technically judge the album by itself without any other context clues. But if you're gonna put a white cover on it, there's a tradition of your color coded albums, and you're gonna call your album the White Album. Sure. You are immediately locking yourself into a very specific type of lineage in history. That's fair. And you have an album that ultimately has zero qualities because you don't have to sound like the Beatles. You don't have to do anything else like that. But the, when people talk about their White Album or something else like that, they're thinking broad experiment trying new things, breaking out into things, and that's not what the White Album is. It is I a mean, pop album. In River's own words, mm -hmm. their new manager at this time was just like, you guys should make a surf rock album. And they were like, oh my god, that's so smart. We've never done that. I can't believe we've never made a surf yeah. rock album. Yeah. And so that's what they were trying here. And uh, and yeah, that it sounds like they set out to just do a genre. Mm -hmm. And not not really that there was any, like, you know, with this album, there certainly, Rivers didn't have any, like, messages he wanted to get out. There wasn't, like, a song in his heart he needed the world to hear. It was just like, well, we should probably make another album, because yeah. that's what we're doing. Yeah, and uh, I have actual memories of this album, which, oh. is, which, is, which is, again, part of... Part of memories! No, no, see? See, and again, I, I, until, until you mentioned, like, yeah. so, unless, until you sang, like, a half of them, like, oh, right, that was on Hurley. Yeah. But like, like my Hurley just slid right off me. I, I don't, I don't. The I blimpies of albums. Yeah, <laughs> just goes right through you. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> wow. It's funny. It's funny because uh, maybe backtracking a little bit. Yes. Weezer's always felt to me a little bit like the Beach Boys as a garage band. 
just in general. Oh, for sure. Okay. Right. Yes, I can buy right. into that. Like yes, chord yes. structures, melodic yeah. types. Yeah, and like you know, finding, harmonies. Yeah, finding the and, and and with a single singular like you know visionary presence. Um, yes. You know that, that that's like you know very compelled to to kind of meticulously uh, yeah. toy with yeah, everything. Yeah. Uh, so there was part of me that was that found this a weird curiosity. Like, it, it's like I don't necessarily like the album, but I'm like, oh, it actually happened. Like, oh, oh, like, all this time, I've, I've like, like, you're the Beach Boys as a garage band, and now you're just the Beach Boys, but you're still doing, like, because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, you, you grab the Beach Boys' aesthetic sensibilities as well, right, and put it into a garage rock album. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I like it. Yeah. But it stuck with me. Okay. So, which is, which is why More than putting, Hurley. Which right. is why I'm putting it above Hurley. Yeah. So, I actually really like a couple of the songs on here. Really? Specifically, Do You Wanna Get High? That possibly. One's that one's fun. Possibly, like, top five Weezer songs. What? Whoa. Really? Yeah. Okay. Can't just, follow you there. No, no, but, no. I know. And yeah. this was like... He owns it. He owns it. Yeah, I, I, I know that it's not for every... I just really like the groove they hit on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that... I don't know. It just It's just hooky for me. It's mm-hmm. just, like, exactly what I am what I am looking for out of rock. So, mm-hmm. but that is... It's sort of an outlier on this album. Right. Like, I think, you know, King of the World has a solid chorus. Mm-hmm. L.A. Girls is, like, LA Girls so obvious. LA Girls pisses me off, because it's like, hey, let me tell you what's wrong with you, L.A. Girls, that are running around. By the way, and then there's, like, that post-chorus bridge of, like, I just... I will never love you more than anyone else has ever loved you. It's just uh-huh. like, where are you, where are so, you going? It comes out of fucking nowhere. Right, exactly. That's, that's the other thing is that I feel like a couple times, uh, like, Hurley and later, it's like he sets up this verse that's, like, telling the beginning of the story, <laughs> and then the chorus is the end of the story. But, mm-hmm. like... The chorus happens, you're like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> I need approximately 12 more chapters before this chorus that you're writing makes any sense. Like, right. you only told, like, you, the first verse is, like, your first interaction, like, seeing this woman in the coffee shop and you kind of hate her. I'll never love you more. <laughs> like, what? Okay, stop. Yeah. Also, intro in honor of the White Album, we are all eating cannolis. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, oh my gosh, jacked up. Jacked Up, it was produced by Red Light, who's, like, this UK house producer that I used to really love in, like, 2012. Okay. Totally lost track of. Um, so apparently for good reason. For, for decent reason. <laughs> but then uh, Jacked Up is also, it, it kind of cops the drum beat from Maroon 5's um, One More Night, which Ooh. was a number one hit in 2012. Oh, okay, kind of, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. It's, like, identical. Which I just thought was very interesting because you said a couple times this week as they get later in the career, it's like, this is just Maroon 5. Basically, It's yeah. just, they stopped making, like, interesting rock and they started just making, like, safe, digestible Top 40 fare, except that Rivers Cuomo is not as hot as Adam Levine, so they're <laughs> not going to yeah. have the success with that boring shit. Okay. Well, you know, here's the other thing, though. We are, uh, what, 20 minutes in the podcast? Are you I'm serious? I'm really okay with yeah. uh, going ahead and, uh, yeah, 1941. <laughs> I'm really okay with going ahead and... And just letting Hurley fall at number 11. I'm not gonna 
fight too hard for it there. Yeah, yeah, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Okay. And also, I, I feel bad, though. I felt like I lied to you earlier. And Bilal, I'm sorry. I mean, you're here in a state of, like, trust and honesty. I didn't want to do anything. Why I nominated the White Album. What am I thinking? What am I doing? Oh. The Ratitude, man. Holy I was going shit. to say. Holy <laughs> what? I was going to say, I was like, really? White Album already? Because, like, yeah. I don't love the White Album, but it yeah. has redeeming qualities. Yeah, White, White Album is higher for me. Than Ratitude, certainly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's, let's talk about Ratitude. Let's let's talk about me in Ratitude. Let's talk about that whole thing, uh-huh. since I am known as the guy who fucking shit all over Ratitude, which it's, is true. It's on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I show up on a Wikipedia page, still freaks me out. Even though, yeah, because <laughs> guess what? I don't. I'm not signed up on Wikipedia. People are just right, doing it. You're not putting yourself on no, Wikipedia. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not that asshole. But let me tell you about why I hated Ratitude. Why I gave it my only like three times in my entire writing career you ever gave something a 1 out of 10 Hmm. is because the entire time like here's what you will say and the thing is Bilal and I were talking a little bit this week about the Red Album it's very much an uh, overtly pop album I would say it could even be crass at times make believe kind of also maybe a little bit like crass in terms of its commercial intentions maybe there's a little bit of honesty in there Mm -hmm. sometimes mixed in or maybe there's a really good song in there Ratitude straight up end to end feels disingenuous. It feels Uh like they are this rock band that is essentially... Like, they're trying to do pop songs, but they're trying to do it in the worst way. This is like their Will I Am album. Mm. This is that time when they discover, you know what, let's just make it as generic as possible. Mm -hmm. Mass consumption, baby. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I know. And the thing is that, like, when I think about uh, Love is the Answer, Uh uh, which, of course, you know, has... There will come a day we'll take away the pain Until that day, take it easy on yourself. Like... What the fuck are you talking about? That's yeah. nothing. That's like air-filling lyrics. You're also, just words. love is the answer. It makes no difference what you prefer. Right. Really? <laughs> but so here's here's this is this is interesting for I'm me about so love is the answer. So because in, kind of in spite of itself, <laughs> I like love is the answer, mm-hmm. and I don't like gratitude. Okay. Um, and I will say par- part of it. I will say, and uh, obviously your podcast can't see this. I'm uh, I'm half Indian, half Pakistani. You're not white. Yeah. Surprise, like- everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and all you and Weezer? all of your clan members immediately throw down their podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, the no, white no, album. no, yes. Anywho. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what they, I heard they were talking about a white album tonight. Yeah, exactly. Tell me more. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, so part of it is that, is, is that is that familiarity, and I think it, I think it like, I, I enjoy when Western artists experiment with that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also, to be clear, this is not George Harrison doing this. No. Um, the lyrics are terrible, but in an entire album that does feel disingenuous, this feels like the most honest one on it to me. This feels like the one that Rivers Cuomo actually feels everything else in this album feels to me like feels constructed but i think part of what's not part of what's not working in the lyrics or the performance of it is that he doesn't know how to express this thing he's feeling yeah there's there's some like it felt like something it felt like the only genuine thing on this album to me that is so surprising. And it's interesting, though, and the only thing I would say about it is because when I was walked over to Taryn and I was looking at a Spotify playlist, and it had on there, uh, they had Love is the Answer, and it also said it, it, the qualifier, Hindi version. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
indie version? Right. This is the version. Oh no, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. This song also appears on Sugar Ray's comeback album from yes, the same year. That's right. Music for Cougars or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck it's called. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. It's Sugar Ray. They had songs once. Uh, anyway, but like, it, the thing is, I'm like, okay, that's fine, but like, this is like him writing and putting out songs and giving them to other people, whatever. Honestly, the f- opening song in there, um, if you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to, the Butch Walker co-write, that yeah. was like, the fr- it feels like a song. It feels sure. like there's like enthusiasm. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a hook like, in it. Yeah. There's a hook in it. I really like I'm Your Daddy, and not just because it has the word daddy in it. <laughs> um... <laughs> I I just think it's a solid hook, and yeah. you know, especially in an era the where Dr. Luke that direction. is that is just devoid of hooks or memorable melodies. I like that one stands out to me, but I mean, it's literally, and I I actually like listened to this album a couple more times than like earlier ones I was more familiar with this right. week because I was trying to get the songs in my head, and this one even more than Hurley for right. me. Just like I can't, yeah, I can't tell you yeah. what these songs sound like. Yeah, I uh, let it all hang out. Yeah. Let I, it all. I'm hang going out with my homies. Okay, right. they would. Okay, okay. Listen, guys. Are, are we, we talking? Okay. okay. I thought here? I was gonna. I thought we were gonna blaze through this. No, we're going into it right now. All uh-huh. right. So I'm gonna give my two point answer to this. Okay. First point. The conversation you and I below were having about the Red Album right. and what it's trying to do because it is a crass commercial album. But like when I heard Troublemakers, the opening song, when I hear the fucking basically like metal song that is automatic and one mm-hmm. of the best songs in their whole post, you know, like 2008 yeah. era, I was like, this doesn't feel like them. Like it is Weezer, but it feels like almost like as a challenge to himself. He's like, what if I wrote a song for frat or an album for frat dudes? Right. And like it's one of the things when I viewed the album of the Red Album through that lens of like, what if I'm like putting on this character what if i'm putting on a kind of a persona i'm like okay right like i it, I, I there's a lot of things i like about them a lot of things i don't like about the album but i was like i can almost buy the idea that rivers is like kind of like doing the, and then i feel like for ratitude and i hate you Bilal, for even making me do this whole episode even though we asked you to be on it mm-hmm. because like in listening to this i'm like ratitude's like what if you did the same thing about like for white suburban kids like mm-hmm. I, there's a crassness to it of like kids love lil wayne let's get lil wayne right. on here and the worst part of all and i sent it to you and i played it for taryn on his uh, rivers cuomo's alone series where he has like home demos and things like right. that which is like kind of the genesis of songs he did a version of can't stop partying which i I heard prior to this album coming out, and it's just like him with an acoustic guitar by himself. I can't stop. And it sounds fucking depressing. Oh, yes, it feels when like you presented yeah. it. When you present it that way, it sounds like a song about substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And but when you give it a full like top Sin. forty production and put a verse from Lil Wayne on it, huh. then it's just it, a Will it I just Am hides, song. It just hides it. Okay. Yeah. It's like, if it is parody, it's doing a really poor job of it because, like, I'm not buying it as parody. It's just, like, full bore, like, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, and because of this, like, I cannot like Pacific Daydream. I cannot like, you know, parts of Make Believe. But Ratitude, more than any of them, feels like uh, this is the moment of, like, I'm going to write the most generic pop songs ever. And therefore, like, that genuine feel of disingenuousness Mm -hmm. throughout the almost the entire album, the girl got hot, you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, a lot of that just kind of, like, it wears it down for me. So, like, that's, like, a rough one. And I think think there's... Like, there's something to be said about the, the gulf between in the garage and in the mall. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a, that is an arc. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, again, I feel like that. And it's weird how in the mall written by one of the other I band think, members, I think it was though? Pat Wilson who did that. He also wrote Automatic, which is such a fucking amazing song, right. too. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is just, a, I, I 
I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, and also I love how like um, there's that part on the White Island when he references a girl like, let's go back to your place and listen to some Bacharach. Mm. I'm like, Rivers, you call That's on, yeah. that's on, do you want to get high? Do you want to yeah. get high? We yeah. can put on some Bacharach <laughs> and <laughs> stop at any point. And like, that is such a weird... I also love that song. Sorry, go we ahead. already finished with it. But I love that song because um, none of the lines resolve. So the verse just kind of keeps um, going and okay. looping. Mm-hmm. And so the, there's just that tension. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. All right. So long story short, I would gladly put Ratitude at number 10. Yep. That's where I'm yeah, leaning. Should we put Ratitude at number 11? Yeah, yeah, I early, but like... I can go either way. Like, both of those, like... You yeah. know, just because I have a personal grudge against it, I'm going to go ahead and rearrange it. According to Wikipedia. Exactly. I think. Right, D number 11, early number 10. All right, great. Great. Yeah. Perfect. We are yeah. actually cool. doing that. Okay, Found cool. that. What would you nominate at number 9? So this one is hard because m- my gut says make-believe. Okay. But right. I okay. think it's a little too early for that. Okay. I just... It bugs make believe bugs me, hmm. and partly because I feel like it was the reason that we got all of this crap later mm-hmm. is because Beverly Hills introduced Weezer to an entirely new audience of yeah. bro white dudes. That's fair. And then Weezer was like, "Oh, we have this new audience. We need to capitalize on them." And so they made bro white dude music instead of just like making good pop rock. But. If we're being, if I'm go, thinking with my brain and not my heart. <laughs> um, thinking with your heart, the new album, Turn O'Reilly. I think the next we have to go with Pacific Daydream. I have no real arguments. I mean, I kind of want to do a QB Blitz about this, really, is mm. kind of how I feel. I mean, for example, <laughs> also, like, th- this is another one where you're getting into just the, like, oh my gosh, this is so, like, generic, and it's like... Just trying to tap into like Beach Boys. What a stupid okay, fucking there we song. go. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, what you talked about was correct, but the thing about that song, it treats like the Beach Boys like it's a discovery. Like, guys, I just found out about the Beach Boys. That's what the lyrics are saying. It's like, no. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, right. Like, like. Oh my gosh. Let's listen to the Beach Boys. They're so good. Oh, turn it up because the Beach Boys is like. Party music. Like, no. The Beach Boys you put on, like, yes, everyone loves it. It's a feel-good, like, sing-along. But it's not like, mm-hmm. pump up the jam. <laughs> Turn it up. It's yeah. the Beach Boys! <laughs> um, and and then, But then course. they also yeah. go into, like, feels like summer. Feels like summer legitimately, marketed differently, could have been a top 40 hit last year. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Okay, yeah. But... I mean, it feels very radio. But that's another one. Right. Yeah. It sounds like fucking Maroon 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that happens a couple times on this album where it's just like, again, it doesn't matter that it's Weezer. It could be literally any band, mm-hmm. any... I I feel like there's nothing on Pacific Daydream that Fountains of Wayne hasn't done better. Yeah! <laughs> yes! Go. Mm-hmm. Yes! Yep. And I am also a Fountains of Wayne apologist. I think they're a fucking brilliant they're pop amazing. band. They're amazing. They're an yeah. amazing pop band. Absolutely. Adam mm-hmm. Schlesinger, he wrote that thing you do. Come on. Right, let's right exactly. That's I mean, he, he, he understands. He understands a pop book inherently. Be- better, yeah, better than yeah. Rivers Cuomo did. Okay, right. and that also leads to my two things. One... Uh, Adam Schlesinger also wrote for Terrence's favorite band, The Click Five. You mm. did uh, Just the Girl I'm Looking For. But more importantly, though... Literally no one's ever heard of it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other thing, I was just like, oh... oh fuck, I can't remember what I was going to say. But I realized, oh yeah, you know who Rivers Cuomo is going to work with next? And it just occurred to me while we were having this discussion right mm. now. At some point, the chain smokers are going to call him uh, on, and he's just going to appear on the so most right. terrible song. I mean, song. he has that RAC song. Yes. Chain smokers are the next logical step. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that is if the Chainsmokers decide to start using guest vocalists again. Yeah. Well, you know, they're having such success oh, yeah. singing their songs themselves. Yeah. And But here's the thing. Like, I want to have a discussion about this. And also, at the same time, I have, like, I feel like in the 20 seconds we talked about Pacific Daydream, I don't know what else there is to say There's about nothing else it. to say. Yeah, because, like, Mexican Fender is, like, fine. It's a song. Any Friend of Diane's has a nice acoustic lead-in. But, right. like, you know, it's... Any I'm, Friend of Diane's is actually, like, low-key really depressing. Yeah, um, it's about like Diane. Like I, for, I think I forget what she died of. Oh, She's yeah. dead. Yeah. And okay. from the perspective of the Any song, friend of Diane, um, this is a friend of mine. And so yeah, that that one like actually that's like one of the only times where you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually like about something. It has this, emotion. This song is about grief. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that anywhere else in the last like four albums. Right. But yeah, that's really all there is to say. Which is why I mean. I think the two albums we've listed are worse. They have actual bad songs on them. Pacific Daydream just sort of exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pop album that came out. Yeah. Yeah, long. no, that's not. That's, that's kind of where I am. Like, okay. uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a feeling like the real discussion is about to happen, but like right. Pacific Daydream, let's just yeah, so we're, we're Yeah, we're limiting the easy outs first. Exactly, yeah. there's that. Uh, personally, I feel compelled to throw the White Album at number eight, unless there's someone else that has another strong... Well, it seems like you, you dislike make-believe with yeah. the White Album. Is that is that correct, or...? I thought there were songs you may have liked off of make-believe. Because he was raving earlier this week about We Are All on Drugs. <laughs> I was not raving. <laughs> so We Are All on Drugs and You Want to Get High. I, I think uh, you're communicating theme. There's something. A theme. I was not... I was... Yes, right. He's an alcoholic. No, there yes. it is. We are, we are All on Drugs is, like, perfectly nice. Mm-hmm. But, like, tell me, what are, what are the other highlights on Make Believe? Um, I like the court This over... is such a pain! Oh my god. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> you know what? I gotta be honest. Freak Me Out actually kind of got me good. Okay, sure. That, that, burn, dun, dun. Like, it had a nice, like, low-key low thing. There's a little bit more stripped-down instrumentation that was going on in it. Uh-huh. I kind of dug it. It was just also kind of weird how Pardon Me is a song about, like, I did something bad, and then my best friend is like, I got a best friend. Every time he walks in the room, I smile. I'm like, in love with him. I'm like, yeah. what? I sent the to our friend Adam, but like still, like I just like thought it was such a weird like thing. Like there, I feel like make believe is that moment. And here's the thing: Beverly Hills. We could talk about Beverly Hills being like this big, their big pop single. And, and listening to it, I always dismissed it. I right. always dismissed it as being a piece of shit white boy kind of song, right, right. idealistic. But I keep forgetting about the bridge and the, the bridge. Yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like you know, like and it talks about how the only reason you're gonna have this life is if you're born, born into, into it. it. And uh-huh. it's like, but no, I'm not. I'm just you know, and he right, goes, right. right. And I'm like, there's that level of self deprecation that like almost lands it right you know? right, yeah. right yeah there's like i think that 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 to me like saves enough of beverly hills for me um because it does feel like a brief moment of like of him i, I okay overabiding theory i <laughs> yes. feel like there's an overabiding theory for yes. me over Rescomo, which is that he was so sincere on pinkerton that like it like it became very very hard for him to be that sincere ever ever again. absolutely well, especially because yeah. he was so sincere on Pinkerton and then got like serious backlash oh of for course it. yeah so he was like well I'm never yeah. I'm never like pouring yeah. my heart out again yeah right but I mean it's, and obviously it's like oh in, in hindsight oh it's a classic and everybody loves what a classic right. it is it's like but, well yeah but there's been so many albums in between where mm-hmm. you all hated it so yeah. you can't find that that rivers again yeah and he will never show up he's right. com- Completely. Yeah, you, you, you killed him. <laughs> you, the listener to this podcast, you, you killed him. You personally killed him. That's why he's doing covers of Blink-182's on the there small is, things. There is another guys. timeline. There's another timeline where people appreciated Pinkerton at the moment, and they have a much better Weezer discography than our 
Myers does. Yep, I know. Mm-hmm. Also, let's not forget the Rolling Stone Reader's Poll in 1996 called Pinkerton the worst album of the year. Right. So, you know, that's pretty right. Dang, brutal. Yeah. 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 That is brutal. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, they rejected him, and, like, he felt rejected for that reason, too. Yeah. So that's why, like, make, I mean, between the White Album, which is, like, him looking, look, basically, I envision him in an apartment in L.A., like, looking over Santa Monica Boulevard and just being, looking at girls, and like, I'm gonna write a song about that. Like, right. I feel like that's kind of the vibe of it. Make believe it's not a great album. It's not gonna be on anyone's all-time list unless you're a weirdo. And I would say, like, it's I I I, I was about to say I enjoy it, but I couldn't do that. But at the same time, also, like, though, I mean, it's not the worst. Make believe is when the pop synths really come in for the first time. Well, this is Rick right. Rubin. Yeah, right. sure, yeah. it's Rick Rubin. Right, they're working with a, a pop producer instead of a rock producer. But yeah. like, it's it's so just obvious to me that it's not. It's that that it's an outside influence. Yeah, but here's the only thing I will say in terms of the white album. I know you gotta. I know. Do you want to get high? Strikes to you. For me, with make believe, like perfect situation. I kind of like. I do like that chorus. I really do. Look, okay, perfect situation. I I get pissed off. This is similar (laughs) to like if if you call a a song "Hang On" or "Hold On," it better be really fucking good. Uh Or why are you bothering? Don't give me a fucking chorus that's just singing, oh, 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 <laughs> like, really? You couldn't write, you couldn't think of anything about this topic that you actually wanted to write a chorus about? Like, that's not a chorus. That's just, that's just a okay. masturbation. Well, here's like, the thing, then. I love talking about masturbation because we are the Beatles. But most <laughs> importantly, though, I feel like we are in basically in agreement. White Album, Make Believe, kind of in this spot right here, roughly, maybe? Uh, yeah. Okay, in that case, Bilal, how are you going to break this tie? Oh, man. Unless you have Unless wild you have something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. The Green uh, Album, what?! No, no, no. Uh, well, it's weird because so I think I think when I talked to you earlier this week, I was like I was like dropping Maladroit at the very very bottom of this yeah. of the stack, and I listened to it again, and it wasn't as bad as I thought. But I still feel I I, I feel like I like the first half of Maladroit much yes. more like the second half. Yes, like sure, I like so agreement. much. Yeah, uh, and I feel like when I listen to Make Believe, it's weird. I, I have a similar uh, experience with Make Believe and Hurley, which. I'm sorry, similar to between Make Believe and White Album, which is that I heard them all kind of as one album. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like if I go back to it, I'm going to go, oh, right, that was an individual song, right. that was an individual song. And so I kind of took them as, as individual whole feelings, and I liked the feeling I got from Make Believe more than I liked the feeling I got from White Album. Okay. Um, which doesn't necessarily... No, so I mean, that's that's yeah. fair. That's yeah. a, that's. I mean, sometimes that's how we have to judge it. It's just yeah. like, overall, how does the album make you feel? Because, right. you know, individual songs can pop up, but that's not what we're talking about as right. far as this ranking. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think I would go White Album 8, Make Believe 7. You know, I'm cool I, with that. I am very okay with that, too. I think that's good. So let's just go ahead and recap for our dear friends at home. Number 11, rightly so, Ratitude. Uh, and then at uh, number 10, we have Hurley. At number 9, we have Pacific Daydream. At number 8, we have The White Album. At number 7, we have Make Believe. So that's good. We're in a good spot right now. We're in the top half, kind of, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Number 6. But for the record, we have left the Blue Album, Pinkerton, the Green Album, Maladroit, Maladroit uh, the Red Album, and Everything Will Be Alright in the End. I know what I would put what next. What would you put next? Alright, you guys. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, I think I know it's coming. Oh shit, Pinkerton. <gasps> oh! 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 <laughs> oh! 
Look, I know that it's started, like, it's slowly got over their, like, five-year hiatus. It gained cult status, and, like, now it's platinum, and, like, I get it. It's very confessional, but the songs just don't stand up. Hmm. When you're looking at, like, because I, truly Rivers Cuomo is a pop songwriter, mm-hmm. and so when I'm looking at Weezer, that's what I'm looking for is to them, them to give me those, like, instant, like, grab you by the balls, like, this is an amazing pop moment, and there just aren't any on Pinkerton. And I know that's not what they were going for, but just as a listening experience, there's just, it doesn't do much for me. There are some moments that are, like, really grating, and even the parts that I do like, there it makes me uncomfortable, which, again, I know is the point. That's part of the appeal of it. That's part of why people really like it. But literally, if I'm cringing listening to your lyrics, not because they're stupid, like on later, but because they're too a honest. little too personal and maybe a little racist, then like, I don't... <laughs> they're, they're absolutely racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. There's that. Also, he's just basically songs about him jerking off to his fucking fan mail, which is like... Right. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. and that's one of the best things on here. <laughs> like, I actually, I think that Across the Sea, it's a fucked up song. Yeah. But also, it's very honest. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not, it's almost like, you know, a creepy guy trying to explain to you why what he's doing isn't creepy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm, I yeah. get it. But also, you just shouldn't have told me in the first place. Yeah. That's sort of what this song is because he's like, I could never touch you. It would feel wrong. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm glad you put that lyric in. Because, right. yeah. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think El Scorcho is stupid and fun and like, El Scorcho. <laughs> um, but that's. <laughs> That's- I love that opening line. I just, I mean, I, I just find that opening line just like kind of, kind of beautiful and it's brutal. Oh, El show? Yeah. God-, God damn you, half Japanese girls. Yeah. Like I just, it's me every, every time. time. I, I, it's kind of brutal. Yes. It, it, it's, it, I think so. For me, it is Pinkerton's honesty that that puts it much higher than than where you're putting it right Fair. now. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is yeah. that, like, I will say that there's a lot of Weezer fans out there who probably, while there are Pinkerton, like, oh, clearly their best album kind of things, I did a lot of people that would probably ascribe to Taryn's opinion, too. Mm-hmm. Just, like, it's not as great as I remember it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I And I get that. Also, mm-hmm. Pink Triangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pink Triangle. I'm dumb, she's a lesbian. I, that... That's actually like one of my favorite songs that it's, I discovered this week. Yeah. yeah. Also, but, everyone's a little bit queer. Why can't she be a little bit straight? Yeah. Uh, so, I'm never going to be able to divorce myself. I, I'm always going to be subjective on mm-hmm. Pinkerton. Because um, 1996 was my freshman year of college. Oh! So, so there is a lot That'll in here it. that has that has like way too much personal meaning. Little like, like there's there's like stuff in Why Bother. There's stuff in Pink Triangle. Yeah. There's like stuff like, throughout. Oh, you know, Why even, Bother? Yeah. Like, like even even the Why thing, Bother is so self defeatingly yeah. wonderful. Sorry, yeah. no, it's okay. No, no, but I mean, just there. I mean, even the things that like aren't my experience, like uh, the things that are my experience, are also spoken so. Again, with that sort of brutal honesty that, like, even the things that I can't empathize... Even the things that I don't experience, I can empathize with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which is, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's Pinkerton for me. We call those we call that the nostalgia goggles. Mm. Um, 
but that's also totally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I I threw this out because this would be my personal ranking. I was not expecting us to actually put this here. Okay, but, okay. but I'm just glad know you, that yeah, it, no, like, it's, it's good to that's know definitely Pinkerton yeah. is what I would have next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean his number one is as we know the Red Album, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a whole different. <laughs> uh, but that being said, so I get that, but I would personally, I would say. If I'm being honest, and I'm honestly kind of surprising myself, Maladroit would probably be next for that, me. That's where it I feel is like for it me. has to. Like of of the six we have left, yeah. and I respect this album a lot because I feel like after uh, some people thought that when the Green Album when they came back with that they're like a little bit too pop, you know, like mm-hmm. they're kind of basically trying to recreate the Blue Album. They have the color scheme, they have the same producer, right, right. everything else like that. But the thing is that like I feel like Maladroit is like very much a kind of a course correction of like oh by the way guys you can still rock hard mm-hmm. like that was kind of their thing like they felt like they had pop singles they wanted to like prove that they're a rock band. And there's some great fucking songs on here. There's awesome. some kick-ass yeah. songs on here. American Gigolo is a, one of my favorite openers, I mm-hmm. think, of an album of this era. Because it just fucking strikes you with a fucking hammer. It's just so good. Yeah. I I compared this earlier in the week to almost like their Smashing Pumpkins record. That's where, fair. like, you know, yeah. they've they you know, they took their long break, they came back, they did their like pop reboot with green album with the same producer that did blue album and then they were like okay now that we're back on the scene what's a like different direction we can take ourselves in and that's sort of what this feels like to me but i will also say that like my favorite things on here are not when they're going harder rock it's when they're going a little more airbrushed with Burnt Jam, Burnt Jam. which just has like, like that fucking just, riff. It's such it's such a simple little guitar riff, but it just it it's grabs so you immediately. And then, you know, the song that they built around it is, you know, perfectly nice. Um, I I think that that just almost like accidentally is like one of their best. I would agree, hundred percent. But then I also feel similarly about Take Control. Mm. I just really like. Something about the production on that, like I, I, I listen to it and I recognize that, like, in the hands of someone else, I would hate this, but they just like they sort of mm-hmm. put the pieces together perfectly. But Bilal, you're explaining that you were a fan of the first half of the album. Yeah, so I think I think after Burton Jam, it starts to it starts to slide out, slide out of my memory. I really, really yeah. would agree yeah. because like December Love Explosion, I couldn't tell you what fucking Love Explosion sounds like. Literally, right. literally, literally. <laughs> Like three times in the last twenty four hours, I've been scrolling through my list and being like, "Love explosion." Right. Which one is love explosion? And you should and remember a song called "Love Explosion." I still don't remember. Right. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's part of why earlier in the week I was like, I really dislike melodrama. It's because I dislike the last half of it and you know recency effect. So you right, know, exactly. No, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. then you also like keep fishing is solid. Yeah. Don't knows is a single. Don't like, knows. You know, don't yeah. knows is solid. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. whoa, and that feels like a hair metal like right. pure honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a sequel to Hash Pipe. Exactly. Yeah, and it's, but it's more yeah. optimistic. Which and they, also, they do a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, it's one of those rare times where legitimately it sounds like the band's having fun because, like, during the Dope Nose, like, you hear the band, like, here we go now. Like, right, they have right. Little, like, little back end ad libs exactly. that are coming in. And it's just like, this is the Weezer that we're down for. This is the one where it's right. goofy. And the thing is, I feel like they're, like, self referential, they're quirky, mm-hmm. but the goofiness on there, that's part of the reason why the Blue Album works so well is because it's just yeah. so. I mean, it's pure in its goofiness. Right. You know, you take your car to work. Right. I take my board. Like, that's stupid, but it's great. You right. know, at the same time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
there's a buy-in there. So, yeah, I, there's only one other album that is even in the same contention for me, but honestly, it, I would put it above Maladroit. What's the, what is the other album? It would be Everything Will Be Alright in the End. That's kind yeah. of where I am, too. That's, that's definitely where I am, and honestly... My thing is that I like Maladroit so much more than Pinkerton. Really? That like, I mean, it's uh, the ranking and we'll move on eventually, but that'll be a hard pill for me to swallow mm. if we if we put that Pinkerton above that. But yeah. I would be okay <laughs> if we put everything all right, we'll be all right in the end next because I do like it. I do. I think Ain't Got Nobody. There, see, the, everything will be all right on the end is like, especially in this later era you put on everything will be all right in the end and you're like oh thank god there are hooks yes oh yes. thank god that, there, that is the choruses are actually yeah. like good yeah having gone through ratitude and hurley and then getting to everything i was like oh okay okay yeah <sighs> okay and yeah and you walked out of the wilderness it was right exactly. totally totally yeah. and ain't got nobody i love the part where just the opening part is just them vamping of just bum 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 but and there's like radio broadcast uh, everything else like that and then they just get right into it it just feels like it's not the masterpiece that it could have been, mm -hmm. but I also don't care because it is so clearly the standout and something that they did so well and then they just fucking walked away from mm -hmm. and I felt so bad about too. Like, it's just this you weird guys, little misnomer. Yeah. I've had it up to here is like the best Queen song that Queen did. Uh, not, okay, that's not true. I was about a, to, a lot of yeah, people, yeah, yeah. a lot of people have done the Queen thing. Right. But I do appreciate how Rivers found his falsetto as time went on mm -hmm. and I think that he just use it uses it masterfully on that song there are some really great harmonies happening and that's definitely a highlight for me um but then on the other hand you have da, da vinci yeah do, which, do, 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 do. i, just, I like, can almost forgive it though given the quality of everything else here there's just it's just the lyrics are so dumb but then also like there's a lot of songs on here that like almost work yes. where like i like a lot of what's going on and then they go you can't control me no more cleopatra yeah. and i'm like okay not only did you fall out of time for the hook of your song <laughs> what the fuck were you thinking yeah. but then you pronounce it cleopatra because <laughs> you needed another syllable In and the i just we well, you know, they, they stole back yeah. exactly there it is you found it you found it <laughs> It was, it was 20 years later. I was about to say, it took, it took 20 years for them that to That syllable returned. <laughs> yes. So wow. this, this is actually a work of musicology. Now. I know, it's, right? Quite frankly, you're welcome, America. Also, there's a three-part suite at the end. Does anyone give a shit? I like here's the all? thing. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about that three part suite. It's like totals what seven minutes, seven minutes tops. Yeah, and it's like pure instrumental. It didn't need to happen, and they did it anyway. Well, right. I respect the. It's fuck not out pure of it. instrumental. Yeah, anonymous is a song. Mm -hmm. It's a full like that's just a a Weezer song yeah. on its own, and it it's feel, in the middle of this suite. I yeah, guess? I felt like it's just like it doesn't really need to happen, and yet it's just like they decided to suite it together for whatever reason. I'm mm -hmm. like. Good on you. It's like I can't. I just wanted to like play around with guitars. Is what it seems like. The, mm. Like the thing about the suite to me is that like it just doesn't seem. It both seems like very composed and mm -hmm. also like they made it up on the fly. Like mm -hmm. it just it doesn't have any actual lasting impression. Mm -hmm. Which you know, thankfully, I can't say that about a lot of the other songs on this record. But I do think that it feels less like Weezer than Pinkerton or Maladroit. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I also, I mean, 
I still feel like there's so many things on here that strike to me. Honestly, the song I've had stuck in my head all week against all odds, it's not even a great song, but for whatever reason, the British were coming. I, I thought that hooked me immediately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was kind of surprising that, like, yeah. yeah that's the one that yeah. just like, the British are coming. Like, just like, for whatever reason, it just yeah. struck me. And then, of course, Back to the Shack is basically, it's not necessarily confessional the way Pinkerton is, but it's mm-hmm. an acknowledgement of, like, you're right, guys. Yeah. I fucked up. That's a solid tune. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, I appreciate that. Like, Back to the Shack is as close to being in the garage as possible. Right. But, like, it's just such, it's just so relatable. So, yeah, I still, it's a very strong album, especially when you put it next to Maladroit. Like, you know, it's tough. Like, I'm going to give you, I mean, I understand your version towards Pinkerton. I think you're going to be outvoted a little bit on some things mm-hmm. here, right. which is fine. But personally, yeah, if we will put everything, uh, we'll be all right in the end at number six, I would definitely push for a Maladroit number five. That's what I would say. And Pinkerton at four? Let's, let's, well, let's, let's do six and five first. Let's get there. Let's get to six and five first. We do that? All right. Yeah. Uh, and most importantly, let's go ahead. Let's just do that real quick. So number six, everything will be all right in the end. And kudos to you, Weezer, for putting out a not terrible album that far in your career. We didn't think you had it in you. Uh, <laughs> Quite literally, number five, going into this week, we didn't think you had it in you. It was a very <laughs> pleasant surprise. It was yeah, such it a was. wonderful Get into surprise. that album and be like, oh, this is good. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh my gosh, guys. this is a good record. Guys. All right. In that case, then, we are down to the Blue Album. Album, Pinkerton, the Green Album, and the Red Album. So Pinkerton and the other not primary colors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's take a look. Like, green is so cool. The Yellow Album. Let's yeah. just call it that. Uh, so yeah. Oh. Now, we know that Taryn has controversially and amazingly thrown out his Pinkerton thing. Mm-hmm. No, no tea, no shade. I respect his opinion whatsoever, but I'm just curious to see Bilal. Uh-huh. Number four. Number four for me here. Um, what's your feelings? Like of these four, this is these higher four, than I thought. It yeah, was be. of these four, I'm gonna say green. Nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, explain yourself. No, I just wow. I'm just saying of these four. Like, I mean, Pinkerton and Blue, I think both have what you refer to as nostalgia glasses for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I like I like red a little bit more than green. But and I really I I'm saying this as, some, as somebody who really loves green. Yeah. So it's yeah. I, I feel, yeah. I, I kind of feel bad for Taryn right now yeah. because like I'm not saying that I'm agreeing with him. It's mm-hmm. fine. This never happens that I get outvoted constantly. So <laughs> it's, 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 I go through it's it a lot. Good it's to fine. be in this position, finally. Right. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, though. Like the Green Album. Let's just talk about the Green Album a little bit, though, because the Green Album is great. And the thing mm-hmm. is, I really feel like for all these things, they are great. I'd say the biggest surprise this week, I feel like if you asked any casual Weezer fan in the street, like, hey, you write Fest Attendee, top three Weezer albums go, they're going to say the first three, I right. think, for the most part. So the fact that the Red Album is kind of even in this mix mm-hmm. is a surprise, mm-hmm. because the Red Album has some dog shit songs on it. Right. And it has some great ones, too. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately. Because I think we can, as a group, as a nation, I think we could possibly agree that uh, the greatest man that ever lived, in Variations on a Shaker Hymn, is questionable. The it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird, yeah. yeah. It just, it's just, it's a completely a failed experiment. Yes. It just, like, I, I understand <laughs> where they started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand how they finished it and then were like, yes, let's put this on our album. Like, mm. it, it, especially it, the second track. Yeah. It feels, it feels more like a songwriting exercise then than I'll it be does dancing in your underwear. Like an actual 
song yeah. worth listening to. Right? right. Right. And the thing is, is that like the Green album holds a lot for me, and especially because it has those two singles off it. It has hash pipe, yeah, which is kind of a weird song when you really break it down. But God, it's memorable. And also, Island in the Sun. Huh. Holy! I was reading that um, Mm. hash pipe and dope nose were written in the same drug fueled writing session, like in the same evening. I believe that. You know, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm changing my mind. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) No. 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 You're right. I wouldn't put we. I wouldn't put put green at four. No. I think I put red at four. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about Green Album. Let's talk about Red Album. Right. So, I mean, I feel like Green Album is one of those things where tonally, aside from Island in the Sun, it is very much kind of a clean, like yeah. solid, the same textures, the same sounds over there for the most part. Though it is produced very well. It is very mm-hmm. sleek. It I is would, twenty-eight minutes. I would right? argue that Island in the Sun tonally fits. It may not be as gritty as the rest, but it's the same goddamn chord structure as Photograph and even kind of uses the same hook. Hmm. So, as far as like fitting in the album, I absolutely think it does. But anyway, continue. Yeah. And the thing is that like the biggest thing in going through this week because I feel like there is, because we have those two amazing singles off it, Mm -hmm. like you have a great nostalgia for it. I like Smile. I really do. I think it's a pretty generic song until you hit the chorus when his vocal hook really carries it uh, farther than it needed to go. But like, oh, girlfriend. This is not going to be my all-time favorite kind of oh, thing. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like even Glorious Day is kind of like, yeah, no, it's fine, yeah. you know? The Green Album, I have a lot of good feelings about tours. I don't think there's necessarily bad songs right. on there. Not like Offenses, like a variations on the Shaker hymn. But I feel like it is the good album. It is the reboot that we needed. It is shows that they can still write pop hits. But more importantly, they can write pop hits as Weezer, not sure. writing pop hits for pop hits' sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah. But I also think that Don't Let Go is a really solid opener. I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite openers. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I really like Don't Let Go. Yeah. Um, and, like, Knock Down Drag Out is, like, a perfectly nice, fun, uh, you know, little Weezer mm-hmm. rock number. Yeah. I just, I, I think you're speaking right. Speaking of nostalgia goggles. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of nostalgia goggles, probably I have some for this album because, like, Hash Pipe and Island in the Sun were just so ubiquitous during the 2000s. They, okay. Like, they were inescapable. At least it felt like to me. Maybe it was just in the circles I ran in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Hashpipe is circles, baby. unquestionably my favorite Weezer song. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to put that aside and think about how, okay, actually, maybe this album isn't the most incredible from start to finish. Mm-hmm. But it just, it has, I mean, that run of photograph. Hashpipe Island in the Sun. I I challenge yeah, you yeah. to find. Actually, I would say yeah, all all four from Don't Let Go through Island in the Sun. Yeah, I, like yeah. that's almost like perfect. Like if they kept yeah. down that rain again, like twenty eight minutes. Very good. Well, so actually, that is very like there's right. like thirty to forty percent of the album. Right exactly there. right. Yeah. Like exactly. that's a good run. Exactly. Yeah. I know it's still not. It's not going to be my number one though. That's the biggest. No, thing. it's yeah. not my number yeah. one either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, green and red. You know, obviously, I've been juggling them back and forth between three yeah. and four. So but. let's talk about the red album then, just mm-hmm. as is though, because there's a lot to say about that too. Genuine surprise. Genuine surprise that it's even in contention here. Mm-hmm. And again, I really feel like viewing it through the lens of him writing fucking frat boy songs kind of did a lot for me. There's still things I hate about this album. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind because everybody get dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's as Taryn accurately described. It is a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Yeah. 
uh, you know, like full bore. Also, it just irritates. Well, oh, go ahead. Okay, so the thing about everybody get dangerous is that I, you know, it starts and you're like, okay, they're just doing the RCHP thing. You're just kind of like you're ready to move on, and then two and a half minutes in, it goes into this like dream sequence section. Yeah, where you're, it's just like flowy with lots of like oohs and harmonies and you're like this is not where i saw this song going at all mm-hmm. also does it fit with the title everybody get dangerous <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also the thing um, that- and then it and then it it comes out of the dream sequence with like a full like breakbeat drum section and that's the outro of the song and like uh, the first time i listened to it i was like that's just incorrect but then as i kept going i was like okay, I actually kind of dig that they took this archetype, this, like, pop, like, the single note verse is very common. It's all over pop music. And mm-hmm. so I kind of liked that they took that, and then they were like, but that's not actually what we're doing for this whole thing, and they threw in a couple of different sections. Yeah. It's still not my favorite, yeah. but I, I appreciate some of the differences they tried to bring to that yeah. template. Mm-hmm. I just hated lyrically how that song is like, we're doing these bad things, we're breaking up some mailboxes, but actually my friends did, I didn't have anything to do yeah. with it, which isn't the actual lyrics, but it's roughly an approximation of like, my friends did these badass things and I didn't like, cool, Rivers, that's nice that you're able to reinterpret your friends' experiences through the form of song. <laughs> you know, like, that's like kind of my thing. But then again, like, you know, Troublemaker, it's a, kind of a weird song. It's also the song that has the line of, uh, I'll find myself a biatch having seven kiosks, which right. is the slant rhyme of the century. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then again, like, there's other things on their heart songs. I like heart songs. I like heart songs. It's this little weird it's, well, it's clever. Yes. It's clever. I think, uh, I, I feel like, like, Red Album as an album doesn't quite hold together. Yes. Like, it does feel like a collection of individual songs. Well, I think part of that, too, is because this is the only album where the Uh, other band members have each have a song where they do lead vocals. When you have uh, Thought I Knew, Cold Dark World, Automatic, that Mm -hmm. each cycles through a different lead vocalist. Yeah. So that definitely... Automatic being the best of them, by the way. Oh, hands down. Yeah. But that... So that definitely makes it feel less cohesive because it's not that singular voice that you're used to hearing. But I think the thing I'll say is that, like, uh, so the thing I said earlier about, like, ha- having having basically all his sincerity, like, pushed out of him. Yes. Uh, I feel like I feel like this album, in, in, in the revelation you had for it, it felt like, I feel like he's being insincere and he knows he's being insincere in a way that maybe I don't quite see in... Which like, which yeah. makes sense following yeah. make-believe because right. they had a whole new audience. They could see it in their shows. They see it in the crowd and they're right. just like, okay, let's make an album for those people or as those people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so the, yeah, the idea of him like... Like, there's a part of it that feels satirical, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, which is which is what you were saying. Like, that sense of, like, uh, I've written I've written this as a frat boy. Right. Uh, and, uh, and but also, but there's also something about, like, he wrote... He, I feel like he wrote it as a frat boy three years out of college. <laughs> so I feel like he's... There's a part There's a part of, like, songs that he has in this album that feel a little bit like he's trying to recapture something that's never coming back. Yeah. That was my sort of look at it too is that this almost feels less like frat boy and more like bachelorhood right you know like Mm -hmm. you've moved out of the frat house but you haven't figured out how to stop living like that yeah yeah like you're like like you like you you do have your own apartment in a city now 
but you're not sure what it is you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, a fun fact, Timbaland knows his way to the top of the charts. Maybe if I work with him, I could perfect the mm-hmm. art. And then <laughs> and two like, albums later, he tries that. Yeah, uh, and here's and the worst thing. Pork and Beans is kind of, like, lyrically, like, okay, yeah. it's catchy. It is. It's super Fuck. catchy. It's, well, and, you yeah. know, and honestly, I mean, I... I I adore Pork and Beans for what they did video-wise. Yes. It was, because, but that is the same sort of thing where it's like we have grabbed we have grabbed literally the entire internet right. and shoved it into a into mm. a video and in kind of an elegant way. Which is so it's but but at the same but time it's, it's yeah. shorthand. It definitely yes. feels yeah. like people will watch this video because it has all these things that they know already. In right. It, and then we'll get hits. Exactly. Like, well, yeah. It feel it like when I f- first saw that on the one at first I was like this is a cool concept and then I was like. This feels like some some record label BS, mm-hmm. you know. Like it, yeah. and I, I the thing is too is like I saw a couple people in there. I was like, "There's no way she listens to Weezer," yeah. you know. Yeah, like, but, but I feel like that's something for the Happy Hour Minisode because I do want to talk about Weezer as a visual band. Sure, because I feel like a lot of people seeing these nerd rock kids play rock guitars mm-hmm. and then not sucking at it. I feel like yeah. is transformational, especially in the nineties. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. I, I will. Not not necessarily video wise, but I will say visually, Red Album is also Mustache Rivers Cuomo, which is part of what feels insincere. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but it feels but feels uh, constructed insincere because mm-hmm. it's like that's not that's not, you not know, it's like, mustache and cowboy hat. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> mustache right. and cowboy hat. Yeah. Like you, you have been constructed. You have constructed yourself in a way that right. like I mean like the the beard he was wearing for um, for Maladroit was like that. Okay. That, that yeah. feels like. It feels yeah. natural. That right, feels, it feels like something you would do. Yeah, the, the mustache. The mustache felt like a complete. Like if he had, if he had pulled it off of himself, like <laughs> you know, it was like it would not have surprised. Oh, me all that spirit gum. Oh my god. Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. Which all is right. yeah part of where I where I land. So right. if you had your druthers, number four, red. I'll go red. Pinkerton. Okay. Which which we we which we've discussed. Here's the thing, red album. Unlike these other albums that we're talking about, has bad songs on it legitimately has really, really bad songs on it. Like, here's the thing. Butterfly, you can take it or leave it as uh, whatever kind of acoustic ballad. It's not variations on a shaker hymn, though. Okay, fair. Yeah, so I'm just going to personally go ahead, let's go ahead, put Red Album at number four. Now, the real question then, I mean, and again, this is, I feel like, the battle of the nostalgia goggles, though, because right. you have Pinkerton in your head, and you have Green Album in yours. And also, I know you nominated Pinkerton a while ago, too, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, part of the nature of the game. I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand it there. So, Bilal... I could be okay Pinkerton at three. I could be okay with it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I think these... Th- and, okay. And well, there's, there's also a part of me that feels a little bit like, oh, look, I've done I've, I've done the first three albums. I'm that Weezer fan. But, no, no, no. Here's the other thing, yeah. though. I would challenge you, and mm-hmm. I would challenge myself, and it's something I've had to do when I did the review of it, too, and I did the deluxe edition, too, of is Pinkerton truly a classic? It has great songs. It's that confessional thing. It is truly uncomfortable. It is raw nerve. That's how I would define this album. I would still say, personally, I would disagree with Taryn and say there are fucking amazing hooks on it there. Mm-hmm. Tired of Sex, I feel like it's just this fucking balls to the wall in the red speaker thing and it still gets stuck in my head to this day to say nothing of why bother across the sea the good life being triangle like there's just so many great immediate hooks that come to my mind off this album however i would argue despite some people saying that it is this confessional masterpiece it is a very good very different album from them i would not necessarily say it is a full bore wall-to-wall masterpiece that is what i would say about pinkerton and i think that it suffers from being self-produced 
Hmm. I think that if they worked, if they had continued to work with the same producer who made Blue Album and changed nothing else about the formula and just had someone who was a professional mix it for them and say, hey, maybe we should do that vocal take again. I think I would like it more. But it just, it sounds sloppy at times. And I would say that that's the point. Yeah, I sure. I, I feel it's yeah. part of its charm. That's, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I would say maybe we could do this thing. You nominated it so long ago, and I feel like we've talked about it enough. Mm-hmm. We can maybe put Pinkerton at number three. I could feel okay Green with Green Album number two. But let's just take a moment to talk about how fucking amazing the Blue Album is and why no other Weezer album can ever possibly touch <laughs> it in terms of just how God... It's the album. Yeah. It's the album. When you think of Weezer, you think of the Blue Album. Yeah. That's exact, That's what happens. To the extent that this week when we started doing research, I was like, oh shit, this came out in 94? Uh-huh. Like, those, these songs were still so everywhere that if you had told me it came out in 2003, I wouldn't have questioned it. Yeah. Like... Buddy Holly is still like, I feel like everyone knows that song. Right. Everyone knows "Say It Ain't So." Mm-hmm. Like these these songs have just completely like permeated the culture, and for good reason. And they're backed up by an album where it's just constant hooks. Right. It's constantly constant like immediate like just perfect pop rock. Honestly, I'm looking at the track list and unlike any other Weezer album this week, I can look at every single song and I can Im- I immediately hear it in my head. Exactly. Which exactly. is which is kind of amazing for an album that's, you know, 20 yeah, exactly. 24 yeah. years old. And part of the beauty of it too is just the simplicity. Like yeah. the world has turned and left me here does not have a very complex anything mm-hmm. yeah. going on, but it just like that's when you listen to it once. That's my number one. Yeah, like, that's your favorite really, favorite song. song. Nice, that's good. Although nice. Taryn was pointing out very correctly that uh, no one else is kind of a uh, fucked up. It is, you know, like it hasn't aged particularly well. And yeah. at the same time, much like Pinkerton, I can't really discount it because if you're a fucking twenty something, this is like I want my girl to be loyal to me. Like you can talk about the problems morally with that post, right. but like it's sincere also, in how it's presenting itself. You know, is it like? <laughs> a little terrifying and patriarchal and toxic, yes. But it's not, at least, at least he's expecting that from his girl, but then he also states explicitly in the lyrics that that's what he will be giving back. Like, right. it's not like a double standard sort of situation, yeah. which is what I, I have mean, a problem with well, like, it a is, lot of I mean, songs in that vein. So, so many, I mean, so many love songs are, we are dedicated to each other. Mm-hmm. This is actually saying that, but it's saying it in a way that feels weirdly controlling. Yeah. Right, like, I want you to be devoted to me first before I'm able to give that to you. Right, well, not not just first, but only. (laughs) It is is that, it is the, because it is the no one else part of it that Mm. that makes you sit here and go, oh, wait a minute. Hardcore monogamy. Yeah, it's like, uh, wait a minute. No, she she's got to be able to laugh for other people. Right. You know, she has to work and stuff. You can go, right. go to the yeah, laugh factory yeah. together. Right. right. To, to be able to, like, have normal social interaction. Right. You, yeah. see like comedian, you see this comedian looking down and like, what, what, is nothing funny? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. I only laugh for him. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll tell me your routine later, and yeah. then I'll laugh. He'll repeat it to me, and he's funny. Trust yeah, me. right. Yeah. No. But then again, even Say It Ain't So, which has some weird dad drama going on. Oh, God, well, that bridges. Well, that's what it's all about. Well, and, and say it ain't so is is that specificity we were talking about at the mm-hmm. top of the hour that like that like there because there are things that are like I don't understand these details specifically but they are details right this mm-hmm. bottle of Stevens yeah. awakens ancient demons you know, like, like oh, yeah shit. like uh, the the for, foreman is injured foreman is interesting yeah, that's another one but yeah like but like just like those sorts of 
details are all over this album. And then honestly, fucking mm-hmm. Only in Dreams, that fucking groove, that mm-hmm. do, 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 and like they write it out the whole yeah. seven minutes. It just works. Right, which is which I think that's an interesting thing because when you compare that to, to Futurescape, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Futurescape, <laughs> sorry, yeah. yeah. Like, because like, it's, it's not that they've never done that before. It's not that they've never done a seven minute meander before, but but it's not. Yeah. But yeah. See, they the follow thing, the same groove. The, yeah. yeah, the difference is only in dreams they find a groove and they run with it and they you know add little things on top and right. they play with it. But it's still it's still a cohesive piece. Right. Whereas the suite has definite like separate movements and even sometimes within the movements there are different sections Changes. that that don't don't get called back yeah. to. Well, and on, and I will say only in dreams also because that groove that groove feels like it's it's following what was left behind from undone. Mm-hmm. So it's because 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 that is it is a similar yeah. type of meander, but it's like it's it's like it's like you know side it's like you know if this were a two sided thing, it's like it's like side one ended, but that groove didn't really stop, and they found it again at the end of side side two. Because <laughs> oh, I found that like syllable that. later. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you're still going. Hey, let's let's keep going with you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will I will say though, I feel bad for them because I feel like the blue album is such a good debut. Yeah. To come out this strong, this confident, this incredible out the gate, uh-huh. your whole rest of your career is defined by it. Well, and that's that's not uncommon. Like for artists in general, that's the that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, many authors. I mean, I mean, I can think of literally like dozens of artists where like yeah. their debut album was so defining, and then they mm-hmm. could just never live up. to I it. mean, uh, Catch Twenty Two is Heller's debut, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like, but what? I mean, it's, and I read the sequel to Catch Twenty Two, and I stopped reading the sequel to Catch Twenty Two because it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah. is the Joseph Heller of rock music. There it that's is. What it is. There, right. there, there's a thesis right All there. Right. Well, guys, listen. I think we can call it. Number 11, Ratitude. Fuck you. Number 10, Hurley. Number 9, Pacific Daydream. Number 8, The White Album. Number 7, Make Believe. Number 6, Everything Will Be Alright in the End. Number 5, Maladroit. Number 4, The Red Album. Number 3, Pinkerton. Number 2, The Green Album. And number 1, Magic, featuring B.O.B. and Rivers Cuomo. It's the lead single. I'm kidding. No, it's the Blue Album. So guys, we clearly have a lot to say about this, and we have a lot more to say. That's why we have a happy hour mini-sode. In the meantime, though, Blal... Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've had a great time. There's a lot of great poll quotes when we do our year-end wrap-up. I think a lot of them will show up in there. It's going to be great. Taryn, as always, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And in the meantime, please let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, on our Twitter. We have that, I guess. And also uh, anywhere place. You know, find us. Leave us rankings on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. In the meantime, have a good one. Keep all those things. You know that we'll be good. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 (laughs) like, really?